Your home, my native land. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> that might be the that might be the one good part of the song. Right? Yeah. <laughs> What's the point of having a national anthem, anyways? I don't know. Yeah, right. Patriotism. Patriotism. But, but we don't even do it as good as the states. Like the states, like halfway through, they just start screaming and cheering, and like I'm pretty sure half the audience starts crying. Well, let's see, there's the difference. First off, I don't include me in the we, so I'm out. I'm out on that one when it comes to Canada. Sorry, wash my hands yeah. of, of that whole thing. And maybe it's because of the national anthem. Yeah. Okay? Maybe indigenous people would want to become part of the body politic if the national anthem were a little bit better. Or if we didn't uh, have to pledge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. The national anthem is maybe number one on the list, and then the pledge. And then colonization is third, the number three reason, right? Is that the is that the list of national of priorities? In the heart of the One Dish with One Spoon Treaty territory, Niagara's Sean Vanderclis and Carl Dockstader dish on any and all issues from a First Nations perspective. From pipeline politics to poverty to pan-Indianism and more, Sean shares his concrete curve leg take and Carl gives an urban Oneida angle. You are listening to One Dish, One Mic on the Niagara Podcasters Network. You're happy to be a Canadian though, right? I'm, are we going to do this again today? Do you want to? Yeah, sure. Let's let's do a little bit of that with Canada 150 coming up. I don't know. I don't know. I like A part of me says yes. I love living a fairy tale. I love living a dream. I love my rose-colored glasses. We believe that Canada is a fairy tale, so that's kind of that's kind of fitting, right? <laughs> it's a bit of a story that's made up. And I like to believe in Santa Claus. <laughs> I wake up December twenty fifth expecting a gift from Santa. Um, but a part of me is the realities of it. The realities because I I follow politics on a regular basis, and like just an example the. Cindy Blackstock and her organization still having to take Canada to court and Canada still being found of of um, committing discrimination against children and them still not forking up the money that they've been ordered to pay to alleviate um, the differences between First Nations children and non-First Nations children is it's I mean it's there it's in our face um, Carolyn Bennett the Minister of Indigenous Affairs I mean I was a huge fan of her going into this last election um, Jody Lynn Raybould, the Attorney General too she's a First Nations person she Absolutely. she was uh, a part of the BC Association um, I can't remember what it's called like Chiefs of Ontario would be yep. almost the equivalent of that um, and her even even her father her father came out the other day and said that the uh, murdering murdered and missing Indigenous women's inquiry is a load of shit it's a load of crap they're not doing their job um and this is essentially spearheaded by her department yeah um so for me i don't know like is I, that is that lateral violence what's is that? that a little bit of lateral violence like like what's happening with uh what's happening with the criticisms around the murdered and missing indigenous women right like yeah. for me this is an indigenous-led initiative and i'm open to the fact that that it should have some scrutiny to yeah. it but i only want to hear from the families i 100 just like with the truth and reconciliation commission yeah. how it was led by families of residential school survivors right 
it's the same thing with murdered, missing and murdered indigenous women. I only want to hear from the families. I, I really don't give a shit what the CBC yep. has to say about it. And I don't give a crap what some politicians have to say about it. I'm not right. saying that they don't have the right to scrutinize it. Right. But who I want to hear from is the family. So is yeah. this is this the media trying to save their dying, declining industry of selling newspapers just to print stories about how there's trouble with the inquiry? Yeah. Or is there general trouble with the inquiry, right? From what I gather, I think there is. I mean, I think that they're not leading... They're not doing what they should be doing. There's a lot of, like, just an example. I was reading this article the other day where they made several, where an individual made several attempts to get in contact with somebody from the inquiry, and to no avail. They were left with nothing. Um, it took, I want to say, about a week before somebody finally returned their call, and that was after a huge social media blast and after peer pressure kind of kicked in to where they got to it. I mean... But then again, this is an outsider's perspective. I'm not involved in any way. Um, I haven't been hired. I'm not contracted, so I don't know. I think but, I think we'll end up we'll end up talking about this more in the oh, future. Oh, definitely. So for sure, definitely. The uh, um, but the, I mean that goes back to the original point you were making about how Carolyn Bennett. Yeah, like I was following her when she was in more of a role of the critic, yeah. right? Like even though they were third place party, yeah. I was following her and I thought she was very informed on the issues, very passionate, very yeah. pro nation to nation, which is a term that that I'm actually getting sick of, of how that's being used as a political tool. I think they've taken the teeth out of the nation to nation relationship by using it as nothing but an empty talking point, right? Yeah. It's a completely empty talking it's point. It's lip service at this point. Yeah. When it comes down to it, it's, we have this nation to nation relationship, but we don't. No. <laughs> it's the same old thing, right? I wonder how much context we should give to people that, that might be listening because we know we know exactly what what we're talking about right? right but i mean this this does all tie back to to canada 150 yeah because the the bottom line is that 100 and and i try to talk to about a dozen people this week different yeah. people different perspectives and, and i have friends that that like you are are very hopeful mm -hmm. and very filled with optimism when it comes to Canada and the potential of Canada and the relationship with Canada. And then I have friends that that are especially honestly some older friends that I have. I talked to I talked to an older lady at the Friendship Center. Yeah. And she made it very clear that as as she put it, she she's close. She was closer to the trauma. She lived in a time when she felt a lot more of the direct effects of government policy. Right. So but regardless of where people were on the spectrum, there's nobody like I haven't found anybody that's that's pro Canada 150 in the local indigenous community. Right. And I, I agree. I mean, while doing the same type of research, um, not one person, no. not one. And, and, and as pro Canada as I am and as pro I want to live in a happy place, you know what I mean? Um, like, it, it's hard for me to even consider celebrating it like i've never i've never been the type of person to to celebrate canada itself right like i'll go to port Luzi. um well maybe not this year due to the flooding but <laughs> i go to port Luzi. i'd watch the fireworks my kids would ride the rides i'd ride the rides and that would be that i mean in regards to actually celebrating wearing a, a canadian tattoo on my face or a canadian t-shirt never yeah um where like where does like Adam Beach fit into this though, right? Like we all love Adam Beach, right? right. Dude, I, I genuinely I, I genuinely respect Adam Beach. Right. Like I think there's a little bit of fanfare with him and uh but I think I think he's worked hard. I think that he is in an almost mandatory watching movie mm -hmm. for understanding res culture. Well, I mean um, I mean it's for but he's an ambassador, right? So is he he's not betraying his people by doing this, is he? I mean and that's 
But my, he's not representing anybody. That's my issue too, is a lot of organizations, a lot of companies, a lot of musicians and artists are benefiting greatly from this. Um, so if, if you don't know, Canada Day, one, sorry, the 150 Canada celebrations officially begin on Aboriginal Day. What? On Aboriginal Day. So what? June 21st. There, there, there was another day for that. It starts, we can't even have Aboriginal Day. <laughs> it starts. So what, they, what the government has essentially done is they're putting on celebrations in six major cities. And they've literally scooped up the who's who of Indigenous arts. Well, the, okay, but the, that's a different, like, Adam Beach is is, is an ambassador for Canada 150. So he's saying that I, I am willingly, wholeheartedly embracing the notion of Canada, like like Wab Canoe right. and like other very pro-Canadian Indigenous Indigenous leaders saying, again, like like you, you know, I, I love Canada and I embrace the, the values of Canadiana and I love everything about it. But I do, I have to throw this in here that, that I'm in a very different place when it comes to the artists, because I think, I think that Canada should support the arts. It should support indigenous artists. I'm not in love with the fact, with how some of the artists are doing it, but, but I don't think that if, if your art is included in Canada 150, that that's the same thing as saying I'm an ambassador to Canada 150. I think there's a distinction right there. I don't know. I don't know because they're all performing. They're all on the Canada 150 website. It's all highlighted there. This is the main event. This is what's essentially kicking off the 150 celebrations. I, I disagree. I think. What if you're using it as a platform to claim your independence? I'll, I, and I'll, I won't. I won't name the artist. Yeah. But there, there is a very well-known Six Nations artist yeah. that is clearly. I mean like many people from Six Nations clearly in favor of the hereditary chiefs. Right. And so therefore completely unwilling to to embrace the colonial right. imposed band council system yeah. and the Canadian government and it doesn't vote and, and falls under the great law. But but this artist, she she has said that this is her platform mm -hmm. to get her message across to the most people. Yeah. And that even though there's going to be a Canada 150 logo on a shared space where she's going to have her artwork, it's still it's still an opportunity to get the message out, right? And we right. don't we don't have nearly enough places where we can get our message out. So right. why can't Canada 150 be a platform for someone like you or I or like this unnamed artist that, that I'm speaking of to mm -hmm. go out there and to say, get your shit together, Canada? Do you think they're going to do that though? Like, and don't get, don't get me wrong. Like I, 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 I sing in That's a drum, completely fair. I sing in a drum group. And if they were to approach our drum group, I would be pro doing a show. I just think we just need a clear understanding. Like when, when the, when an, when the average person hears about indigenous issues, when it comes to Canada 150, they're going to see two two groups of thought, or they're going to have two groups of thought. First being that the artists and all the mainstream political influencers, the social media um, experts are pro 150 because they're all involved. Yep. Um, the other school of thought is going to be radicalized anti-Canada, right? That That's it. There's no in-between. Um, I, I don't know. know how, but here's the thing when you like, Tell me what you think radicalized anti-Canada looks like from an Indigenous perspective. I, I, I'm not concerned with a non-Indigenous. Yeah. You know, there, there are, yeah. I'm sure, valid reasons to be anti-Canada for right. non-Indigenous people. Right. But that's that's not us. It's right. another show. Right. Um, what it looks like, I'm, like from my perspective, from their perspective. From your perspective. Um, 
because I don't know if I'd use the word radical, radicalized. But I wasn't. What I'm saying is, I wasn't speaking from my perspective. I was speaking from their perspective. Oh, they think they're going. They think that they're going to see radicalized First Nations individuals who are hanging flags upside down, who are protesting to cause a ruckus. To them, in my opinion, that's their definition of, of radicalized First Nations people. Okay. Um, images of probably Caledonia are going back are probably going to arise in her head. That's what I think they're going to think. Yeah. Um, but for me, like I'm, I'm very much on the fence when it comes to Canada 150. I have no clue where I stand. It, honestly, it depends on what article I read in the morning. Yeah. Right. What, what a uh, Kool-Aid they force me to drink. <laughs> I mean, I, I always feel like I have to be where the people are. I think that's our responsibility as indigenous people. We're, we're mm-hmm. collectivists, right? right? We have great, great individual thought, great individual leaders. But at the yeah. end of the day, the most important thing and the thing that really makes us distinctive is, as a people is our is our ability to be interconnected right. to one another. And we're too close to it. It's still like 150 years is nothing when you look at the context. Like when I think of when I think of the context of, of the seven generations, right. I think of Sarah White or Little Granny as they called her. And to think that she was actually born pre-Confederation. So we're talking <clears throat> we're talking about my grandmother's grandmother. Yeah. Uh, which, if you work it out, my daughter would actually be exactly seven generations separated from her. Yeah. So there's there's a connection between my daughter and between little granny, a woman that, that actually lived to be over 100 years old, but that was born in pre-Confederation times. If you think about the history of her life, where she's influenced the people that have influenced my daughter's life, mm-hmm. we're still very close to colonization. We're still very close to the residential school system. Mm-hmm. We're still very close to all of the darkest parts of, of Canadian history. And, and I'm going to have to say that the majority of those 150 years have been almost completely negative mm-hmm. for Indigenous people. That's a fair statement. For me, there's two schools, uh, no, again, <laughs> two schools of thought. Uh, you ever see the movie The Beach? Leonardo DiCaprio. So there's Leonardo DiCaprio is kind of this like rebellious teen in this movie. He wants to go exploring. He comes across this utopian beach. There's a bunch of people living there, kind of just living the dream, fishing, swimming, living in a really small community-based um, village. So what happens one day is they go swimming, and this gentleman gets attacked by a shark, pretty much pretty much killing the gentleman, right? Um, so they bring him back to the village, and they're trying to heal him, trying to fix him. And all this guy's doing is is crying and screaming in pain. This goes on for about a week. So what eventually happens is half of the community, over half of the community essentially says, you know what, we have to get him out of the village. His demeanor, the way he's acting is affecting our village and our community. So what they do is they remove him from the village, kind of send him off into the jungle, and he eventually dies. Um and to me, that's a very distinct representation of, of how Canadians are now, is that, especially when it comes to Canada 150, is that they don't want to hear the realities. They don't want to hear the truths. This isn't a, this isn't a time of, of, of negative reflection. This is a time of Canadian celebration, right? This is a time where defeated the Americans in the War of 1812. This is a time where the Battle of Lundy's Lane happened or all the um, positive effects that we had in World War One, World War Two, or Pierre Elliott Trudeau, right? This is what the average Canadian is looking to embrace and looking to remember. And they, this is going to sound bad, but they just don't care when it comes down to it. 
they a population of what were like a three percent of the population yeah right pretty small yeah yeah they don't care yeah i mean i i see i see that element of it and i i'm not sure that i'm there yeah. I, I do think that there is, I, I've literally heard people say, well, you can only do so much, right? right. You can only give so much. Yeah. You can only help so much. And that's that's what I, I mean, coming into Canada 150, is that is that going to be the motto of Canada? You can only give so much, right? right? Like do do the best you can, right. but if you don't finish, that's okay. <laughs> right. Right. So I, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to paint all Canadians with one brush. I mean, we, we both have many yeah. friends that are Canadians and are yeah. absolutely exceptional individuals that, right. that have dedicated their lives to helping. I'm not, I'm not saying all Canadians. I'm saying on average, most Canadians, because in reality, if it wasn't most Canadians, our reality as first nations individuals would be a lot different. So yeah. we clearly we have to be in the majority. The math, dic or sorry, minority. Math dictates that we're in the minority. Yeah. If not, we would have positive change. We'd have profound change. We wouldn't have inequalities in funding, things like that. Well, maybe, maybe. So, but yeah, I I understand your argument, and I I do tend to agree with the impression I get is that Canada does want to take a little bit of a break mm -hmm. from reconciliation, yeah. celebrate its greatness, and then maybe we'll get back to it after. Yeah. <laughs> to me, that just sounds completely unfair. No, it's backwards thinking. <laughs> right? It is, right? It's like, it's actually, I mean, honestly, this may be a little bit of a, of a harsh analogy, but it's, it's when somebody is abusive to their yep. spouse. And it's generally unknown in the public. So that that individual, like a like an athlete, right? Yeah. Think think of a, a professional athlete that yeah. that's kind of an asshole off the court or off the field, uh, but then goes out and gets celebrated. You know, every yeah. every Sunday, like ah, you got touchdowns, yeah. ah, your three point shot is amazing, yeah. and then but then goes back to to that, right? Yeah. So and that that's sort of how I feel about some of the Canadian jingoism yeah. that's that's going to be happening over the next several weeks yeah. of celebrating Canada 150, right? Like it's okay. So you want to celebrate and you want to talk about how awesome you are. And, and it's not all completely without merit. Like they're, I like penicillin, right? Like yeah. that was, that was pretty cool. That worked out pretty good. Everything that happened in the Suez canal, like that was, yeah. that was pretty dope too, right? Like yeah. there, there's a lot of neat stuff that, that happened there, but the, the fundamental question of is Canada a fundamentally good nation? I think, I think the, the, the consensus, the international consensus, is that whether Canada is a fundamentally good nation or not will ultimately come down to if Canada is truly able to resolve the problems that were created between itself and First Nations. But we're on a break from that right now. <laughs> and that break is Canada 150. Time out. We will get back to it. <laughs> right? Just hold that thought. Yeah, following a commercial from our sponsors. <laughs> right? I don't know. I mean, I just... And to me, this is like when we first talked about doing this podcast, I literally could not wrap my brain around it. Because, again, I, I am pro the Canadian dream. I am pro a just society. I am pro diversity. I am pro everything that Canada claims to be and that America is not. And I apologize to Amer my American <laughs> friends and listeners. But I am pro that. Like, I, I, I like our reputation as a whole on the international scene. That being said, <laughs> do you like the Saudi Arabian arms deal? Is that that's pretty cool, right? <laughs> right? That we're going to sell them weapons and then they're going to use it to absolutely destroy Yemen. Fuck that's, you. That's Fuck awesome, you, right? <laughs> that's that's really cool. Well, you just you know Canada's so great on the international yeah. stage, right? Except yeah. that you know we got to make a little side cash, right? So 
I mean, every every country has its flaws, right? To 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 say that there isn't some issues would be a, a lie. That's fair. Yeah. I was just going with it because you brought up. No, all right. Let's I'm let's just, what's worth celebrating though. Let's 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 be you know. Yeah. Let's. I mean, like I said, penicillin. Yeah. The Suez Canal. Like, there's stuff there that is definitely worth celebrating when it when it comes to Canada, right? So, what about what about Adam Beach when he goes up and he gives that talk? I'm picking on him. Tom Jackson is another yeah. ambassador to Canada, right? Yeah. He's gonna you know long-standing CBC icon, right? A legend in, in yep. so many communities. So, uh, what what? Can they talk about what are the positive parts? Enlighten me a little bit. What's the good part of Canada 150? I don't know. I mean, for, again, this is this is my issue. Is I I can't tell you if I'm pro 150 or against 150. I mean, there's obvious reasons why I should be against it. I mean, if I was Adam Beach or Tom Jackson, I'd have to acknowledge the difficulties that have become apparent in our communities, right? A lot of, they have, they had to have received a lot of backlash over this, yeah. right? Their, their social media accounts probably were flooded with hate mail, um, negative press releases too. Um, so they have to acknowledge that to begin with. Um, and then they're going to have to talk about reconciliation. But I mean, is that even fair though? Because the Canadian government's not going to be talking about reconciliation. I mean, they're going to, so the starts the 21st, I'm not sure when it ends, but we get one day yeah. for when it comes to Canada, <laughs> Canada one fifty. So like uh, June twenty second, it's over for the Aboriginal yeah. portion. Oh, are we done? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> well, I don't. I mean, I I went through this and and I got my. I live in I live in the city of Niagara Falls, and we talk in another podcast episode about yeah. about Niagara Falls. And I think I even specifically mentioned I got my city guide to Niagara Falls, and I understand that they were only doing the history of the city as you know since since it was uh, incorporated right up until modern times and i understand that they were looking at it from a strict legal sense but as an indigenous person that lives in a neighborhood with a very high indigenous population and and lives adjacent to one of the schools that actually has the highest per capita number of indigenous students of any school in the entire niagara region as, as somebody that lives in that very same neighborhood i i opened my city guide and i thought well maybe i can be a little open-minded and of course they're pushing canada 150 yeah and there's all this stuff and in the history section not one mention like not not even like a, a sentence not even mm -hmm. the sentence that says that, that we would like to acknowledge that this is the territory of the traditional territory of the adewanderan people mm -hmm. and is now the shared territory of the haudenosaunee and anishinaabe people like yeah. it's it's one sentence is is all i was looking for mm -hmm. in the entire book pages and pages and pages Right. of celebration and parades and all these great things that are happening and and we can't even get a, a sentence in mm -hmm. the book so for that reason alone i i i can't support canada 150 i i'm not going to come around maybe if i'm still around for canada 300 maybe i can be swayed <laughs> right <laughs> yeah yeah what st Catharines doing i don't even know okay well, no clue okay. well, that's darcy <laughs> yeah exactly uh, i know port is closed <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did they close Port Lucie Port Lucie to celebrate uh, or to no. resist 150? Yeah, is that part of the resist 150? Yeah, exactly. Movement? I uh, flooded the beach. <laughs> did a couple swan dives in Lake Ontario, and now the beach is flooded, so it's not going to be uh, accessible for Canada 150. There's my radical uh, protesting. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But for me, like when it comes to 150, we what we essentially need to do is acknowledge the last 150 years and. We should probably go even further back. I mean, that's very narrow-minded to say 150, 
right? The influ the British influence in Canada is, su is far longer than 150 years. Um, but from there, we need to use it as a starting point, right? Moving forward, this is what we need to do. We look past, we look to the past seven generations and acknowledge everything that has happened. And then we need to look forward to the next seven generations to see, to build off the mistakes that have happened, to build off the crimes that were committed, to build off of the discrimination, to build off of every, everything, right? If history is our teacher, like now's our time to look, uh, to learn. Now's our time to improve. We need to essentially do what we can for the next 150 years, the next seven generations. And I mean, if I was to give a speech, it'd be something along those lines. That's fair. That's And that's a huge, I mean, one thing that did inspire me was Gordon Downey yeah. last year. Yeah. And the whole, the whole thought that, I mean, love Canada or hate Canada there. You can't deny the fact that Gordon Downey and the tragically, that's a, that's a Canadian icon. That yeah. is a uniquely, that is a uniquely Canadian uh, cultural contribution. That's going to have a lasting impression yeah. on Canadians for generations to come. Unfortunately, of course, Gordon Downey, unfortunately has terminal brain cancer yeah. and he chose of all of the causes that he could have picked, of all of the issues mm. that he could have championed, he chose to he chose to champion the dark legacy yep. of Canada and to tell the story of Cheney Wenjack yep. and to make the secret path. And for me, that's that's the message. I mean, if that if there's room for that message in Canada 150, then I'm gonna have a glimmer of hope for Canada. I'm gonna just have that faintest glimmer. I I don't. I, I think I'm being a realist mm -hmm. when I say I don't have a lot of reasons to have a glimmer of hope. But right. but if that message of Gordon Downey can seep its way into the greater Canadian culture so that the Canadians that are being born right now mm -hmm. as we do this podcast, so that they can realize that that's, that's a part of who they need to be as people. Yeah then maybe things can change but but gordon downey said it best it's it's going to take 150 years yep. it's going to take several generations of work and and i want to believe that canadians are hard-working people with stick-to-itiveness mm -hmm. but it's kind of time to put up or shut up yeah i mean yeah when it comes down to it the government needs to do something canadians need to do something our friends need to do something we need to do something like i mean it's it's the responsibility is on all of us to to create that change. Um, for the past 150 years, some more specifically First Nations people have been working harder than most. Um, I mean, with obvious allies too. But yeah, something has to happen. Something has to give, right? No, I I agree. I agree. I, the here's here's my last sort of my last sort of thought or the question that that I'm curious about. Mm -hmm. Can Canada take a heel turn like that country to the south, right? Like I don't, I'm not, I'm not anti anti American either. My my father served for the American military yeah. uh, in the Vietnam War, yeah. and to me, he he made that sacrifice because he was trying to do everything in his power to to help a country that that he really learned to appreciate, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm not I'm not anti American. But I'm definitely anti-open racism in the right. streets, right? I'm uh, there. The acts of racism have gone up in the United States of yep. America, and I think that's directly tied to the president being openly Islamophobic. Mm -hmm. Honestly, honestly, there's potential for that 
in Canada. I and think, there's a great potential for that in Canada. So again, while while everybody's waving flags mm-hmm. and painting maple leaves on their face and everything like that, I need to know with absolute certainty that that what happened on the other side of the imaginary line yeah. isn't going to happen here. What what's the risk of that? I mean, I think there's potential for that to happen. I mean, what's Senator Lynn Bayak? Bayak? Yeah, right. right. That was that was nearly a month ago. Um that closed nine those closed-minded remarks uh who else o'leary kevin o'leary was running for office the conservative office he was uh he openly said that he would not do anything to um to condone sorry while he condoned or didn't condone uh, lynn bayak's comments he wouldn't do any type of punishment or hold her accountable to it yeah um kelly leach kelly leach yeah exactly I mean, yeah, it's possible. I mean, and is it though? Because Kelly Leach kind of they, I think she was pretty much told to to mind your manners. Yeah, and even uh, it it will always sit with me when it comes to the political spectrum that it was the Stephen Harper government that issued the official apology. Yeah, it maybe it's not. It, it's definitely not enough, right? Mm-hmm. But they still issued an official policy, and that was a conservative government of Canada. Yeah, and at the end of the day, this is kind of a follow up to our Lynn Bayak episode. I have to give credit where credit's due that Ronna Ambrose mm-hmm. made a point to say that we were the party mm-hmm. that issued the official apology and to say to distance herself from those comments and to say that that's, mm-hmm. that's un-Canadian. I mean, so that's, that's my question is if Canada has the potential to turn into the more sensational parts of the United States, then I'm going to have to figure some shit out. I know. We need to, we need to move. <laughs> but, yeah, right? Go, go back to where we came yeah, from. Exactly. <laughs> Is there space on the moon? Mars? <laughs> right. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know how that would work. But but if, can it, I mean, is it possible that Canada can can carve out its own identity that's completely separate from that? Or is Canada a lot closer to the United States than, than we all fear? I mean, I think Canada is a lot closer than... Sorry, Canada's a lot closer to the United States than we all realize. I think a lot of, again, I, people are going to hate me. I think a lot of Canadians um, agree with the sentiments of, of Donald Trump and like how he speaks and, and like his sensationalism. That being said, I think Justin Trudeau is doing a really good job of kind of countering um, the United States and Donald Trump and their politics. And I think like the over the next pretty much the remainder of his term and the following four years after that, it, we're going to find out where Canada lies when it comes to Donald Trump. Love Justin Trudeau or hate Justin Trudeau, he's always made his, his stance on racism and, and hatred and bigotry clear, right? Um, he's a feminist. He, he does all these things in a good way. Um, but he's one man. He's not. He doesn't control the Canadian population, right? Who's to say he's going to get elected again? Who's going? Who's to say we want him to get elected again, right? Okay. All right. Those I, are fair. Yeah. Those are fair points. We have a segment on the show that we call the traveling thoughts. Dun, dun, dun. What is a traveling song, Sean? traveling song so funny we just did a traveling song last night <laughs> <laughs> perfect so usually at the end of um like a powwow or a gathering or a social event um whenever there's singers around they will sing a song that's called a traveling song and what it's designed to do is just 
to send you off with good spirits and good thoughts and it's kind of a wish you the best on your journeys home on your traveling home on your travels home um and it's yeah that's what it is awesome so fashioned after that we we've incorporated into our show the traveling thought which is the thought that we hope to send everybody away with so i'll let you go first okay great so i've i've given a lot of thought to to this particular topic and and i i don't want to say that i've been thinking about it for the past 150 years because it's not that's not quite possible yeah but you're you're only 100 years old yeah right (laughs) everybody is saying in the indigenous community i believe that that we're hurt and that it's been hard and that we have very little to no reason to to believe that things are really going to change. The Royal Commission on Aboriginal People came out and it revealed a lot of information. It was a very comprehensive report and it was talked about for maybe an entire media cycle, maybe even a couple of years, but then it was cast to the side. Shortly after the Ipperwash inquiry results were revealed, connected to to the shooting death the unnecessary shooting death of Dudley George in the Ipperwash crisis and again that report was was set aside on a table somewhere now they have the truth and reconciliation commission report that again was asked for by families of survivors residential school survivors and for almost all of 2016 that was talked about but now it's been set aside again for Canada 150. So the question I have to ask myself is when do these reports become real? When do these promises become real? When do Canadians truly find it in themselves to be truly great people and to understand that real change is going to take sacrifice? When is the time for that sacrifice going to come? Is it Canada 150 or is it never? Well said. I like it for me my traveling thoughts is essentially that canada is relatively a short lived not short-lived but a canada is a young country um, 150 years old in the grand scheme of countries and, and the world it's a baby um mistakes have happened uh, racism has happened discrimination has happened uh, lies and broken promises have happened it's 150 years ago i think we need to learn from the past we need to embrace what has happened we need to stop hiding it and we need to start acknowledging it and when that does happen canada will be a better place indigenous people will be better off the world in general will drastically improve when that happens but again we can't keep sweeping things under the rug we cannot keep continuing on the same way we have to do more than just political lip service we have to do more than than broken promises we have to actually create profound change um i mean it's what's today june 11th so canada has 10 days essentially to to kick off canada 150 properly they have to do something that they have to do something the more they have to do something other than buying a fucking rubber duck <laughs> right <laughs> they have to they have to um now's your chance is what i'm saying um so hopefully justin trudeau kathleen Wynne, all of the politicians don't waste it thank you 
You heard it first from from Sean. Rubber ducks don't equal reconciliation. <laughs> Hashtag. <laughs> Thanks for listening to One Dish with One Mic right here at the Pop Up Podcast Studio at Cowork Niagara. Thanks for listening to One Dish One Mic on the Niagara Podcasters Network. Your hosts are Carl Dockstader and Sean Vanderplus. Recording is done at the Pop Up Podcast Studio at Cowork Niagara home of Niagara's independent workforce. Executive producer is Trevor Twining. Production assistance by Daniel Twining. Show artwork by Mitch Baird. Music by DJ Shub, used with permission. If you have show ideas or comments, you can reach us on Twitter at Niagara Podcasts. Things are hot.